these are good singers here. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, welcome to Thursday Night Service. My name is David Vaughn. Welcome to December and the Christmas season. I can already tell you're going to like this series because you like to sing. It's the season of decorating. It's the season of buying. It's the season of eating. Some of y'all just came here after Thanksgiving. Come on now. You know what I say about that. You made promises, but a, you had just a sliver that led to a slice, slice to a slab, slab to a slob. Now, you all know that's not what happened for a lot of us, but it is a season of many things, and for a lot of us, the only time we sing all year is at Christmas. It's a season of singing. So question, how many of you all like to sing? Raise your hand, okay? How many of you know that all of us shouldn't sing a solo? Does anybody know that? Okay, just let me show you, in case you're not convinced... Let me show you a little clip that we put together about why some people shouldn't sing solo. Check this out. That girl on the right looks happy. Tell me your name, you blow me off like it's all the same. You lit it fierce and I'm taking away like a bomb. Yeah, baby. Christmas, everywhere you go. I'm singing, I'm in a store, I'm singing, I'm in a store. No singing in the North Pole. That might be my favorite Christmas movie of all time. All about singing. There is power. There's something special about singing when you can. And even if you can't, there's power in music. And if you think about it, we use music for the highs and lows of life, especially at Christmas, because there's so much good Christmas music. It starts early, it's on all the channels. I think I heard some stations start playing it after Labor Day, which is just wrong. You will likely sing some Christmas songs yourself, whether you can sing or not. And believe it or not, in the Bible, people sang too. Some of the best songs came at the season, the time of Jesus' birth. And so we're going to study some of those songs together. They kind of had in Jesus' birth situation, that environment, their favorite Christmas Spotify playlist. And so our new series, Tis the Season, is going to help us rediscover some of God's best promises that were sung through the people who first witnessed the Savior's birth. Our goal, our dream, our prayer for you this Advent season is that by hearing and reading some of these songs from the Scripture, you'll be able to experience the mercy and the joy and the hope and the peace of Christmas. Some qualities of Christmas that most of us nostalgically love and wish to return to. Our first singer of songs is found in Luke 1, and his name was Zachariah. I might call him Zach tonight. His song is a song of mercy. Each week we will have a word. Mercy is up first. It's the backstory of God at work 
And I want to give you the, the back story of why this guy was singing it in Luke chapter 1. See, Zechariah actually didn't have a lot to sing about to be happy about. He and his wife were growing older, you're going to find out, and they wanted a child so desperately. They were waiting on God to move and answer their prayers for years, yet heaven was silent. Some of you here tonight, some of you watching online, can appreciate that. You can sing to that because some of you are there right now in your life. It, oh, it's a season of joy for some, but for others it's a season of disappointment, of pain, of heartache, of longing, unfulfilled. And if that's you watching or you're here tonight, stay tuned, stay engaged. You're going to learn something that you can sing even when you're sad. So let's turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 5. You can follow along with us on the screen. The Christmas story of Jesus' birth, which you are very familiar with in Luke chapter 2, actually starts in Luke chapter 1. The Christmas story doesn't start in Bethlehem. We'll get there. It starts in Jerusalem with a different couple, not Joseph and Mary, a different couple in the family tree named Zechariah and Elizabeth. It says in verse number 5, in, that, in the time of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. It doesn't mean they were perfect, but they were of high regard. They walked with God. They had a relationship with God. And listen, here's a great point for those of you uh, who've been following Jesus a long time, you know this. Just because you're righteous doesn't mean that everything is right all the time in your life. Notice there's a big but there in verse 7. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And it adds in, they were both very old. Literally, it means they were well advanced in years. I don't know if you know this, but the Bible has this uh, propensity, God does, to do the impossible. And here we have a couple that's older, waiting, just like Abraham and Sarah of old, waiting. And it says they were very old. They're at least 50. Uh, I'm just playing. I mean, these are some old people. Some scholars think they could have been 100. I mean, when their baby does eventually arrive, they're going to be buying diapers and wearing diapers too. I mean, it could be that way. But what makes this more tragic is that Elizabeth was a woman who loved God, but she had a big problem. She struggled with infertility. Some of you watching, some of you here tonight can relate to this. Christmas is tough when your, kid, when your family, your friends, all have those kids and you desperately want one. And in those days, it was even more severe because a woman's identity, her self-esteem, came from her ability to produce children, especially male children. So Elizabeth carries this social stigma on top of this God, why aren't you listening to my prayer? So we continue, verse 8. Once when Zechariah's division, he's a priest now, was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. That was a privilege, by the way, to do that. They didn't do that all the time. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. These verses are saying that Zechariah, our man Zach, was on duty serving as a priest. And check this out. I love this. He might have been too old to have a child, but he's not too old to serve. 
we still find him at his post serving God. I've noticed in a multi-generational church that it is a beautiful thing when people of all ages start to serve. Many people quit on God when they get older or maybe when God doesn't fix their problem quickly, but not Zechariah. He's a faithful example. And if you're not serving and you're a little older, don't think God can't use me. Oh, you could not be more wrong. We need everybody on, along the spectrum, uh, this continuum to serve from little ones to older ones. No matter what you, who you are, you have a gift. Use that gift. And Zechariah's job this day was to burn incense. His goal was to enter the holy place, which was very select and sanctified, and spread this incense on hot coals. And when he did so, the aroma and the smoke filled the whole place. And that symbolized God's presence, his power to answer the people's prayers. I bet as he was spreading and he said, God, you're answering these people's prayers. Why aren't you answering my prayer? I, I want a child. And as the assembled congregation prayed outside in the temple courts, he would offer up intercessory prayer inside by the altar. But then notice the miraculous happens. Look at verse number 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him while he's inside now, that holy place, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled. It literally means he was rattled and was gripped with fear. While Zechariah was serving and praying on behalf of people, he opens his eyes and realizes, uh-oh, I am not alone. Just an FYI this season, no matter who you are, where you're from, what your burden is, just an FYI, you are not alone either. Maybe it feels like tonight, maybe you have to sit by yourself, maybe you don't think anybody sees or knows or cares, oh, they do. I know it feels like it, but God has not forgotten you. He is Emmanuel. The word means God with us, God with you. But Zechariah here was startled because no man was supposed to come in that holy place. Clearly, though, this was no man. It is an angel. We're going to find out in a minute. His name is Gabriel. Gabriel was an archangel, not just any angel, an archangel. Only two of them mentioned in the Bible, Michael being the other. And Gabriel's name means God is my hero. Oh, I just love that. God is my hero. He's like the ultimate superhero. He's the guy that's going to rescue you from your situation. And throughout Scripture, Gabriel is dispatched, and he shows up in the events surrounding Christmas. Gabriel is the one that's sent to deliver the news to Mary that she's pregnant with Jesus. And now that same angel, Gabriel, tells Zechariah the same thing all angels say when they appear before humans. If you read the Bible, the first two words out of every angel's mouth when they appear to a human is what? Anybody know? Fear not. That's what they say. I mean, God's angels must be like amazing to behold because every time they show up in Scripture, they like scare the H out of folks. I can't say hell because it's Christmas. I can't, I can't say that word. But anyway, he's gripped with fear. You would be too. If you're in this church, and this can be a creepy place. I've been here at night. I, I actually pray. It's just a routine. Saturday night, before I leave, I pray for the next Sunday service. I'll bow down here. It's kind of dark, and it's kind of creepy. And if I was praying here, and, and suddenly an angel appeared to me, there would be words spoken, and there would be things said. I'm sure it's, I, I, I wonder what you would do if that was your job. So the angel appears, verse 13. The angel said to him, 
Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Isn't it nice to know that God hears your prayer? Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says slow, wait. But he always answers the prayer. And he's got a good reason why he's delayed. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And you are to call him John. You're to call him John. Not Zechariah Jr., which would have been what he was supposed to be called. You may know this guy, this baby, going to be born John by another name, probably his nickname, John the Baptist. John's name means God is gracious or he's merciful. That's the word of the evening. That's the word of the week. John, see, John the Baptist was a gift, but he wasn't the gift. He prepared the way for the true gift to come. And notice the angel describes John's role. He will be a joy and a delight to you. That's always nice when you know someone tells you your kid's going to bring you joy because some of times kids do not. Am I right? He will be a joy and delight to you. Many will rejoice because of his birth. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. Here's some other things. He's never to take wine or other fermented drinks. Some of y'all wouldn't qualify for his job. Come on. Easter and egg, uh, you know, Christmas eggnog is going to take you out. Okay? He will be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he's not filled with spirits. He's filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah, another famous prophet, to turn the hearts of the parents toward their children. Isn't that interesting? And the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And this John would be the forerunner of Jesus. This John would be the cousin of of Jesus Christ. This John would be the man who baptized Jesus 30 years later when Jesus went all in. Hey, all in's coming first Thursday in January, first Sunday. I'm praying for somebody in this audience who hasn't been immersed yet to pray now about coming and going all in a Thursday night or that first Sunday. Pray about that. Jesus went all in. Pretty sure you need to go all in. But notice verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, I mean, he's got a few questions. <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs> if you were like 80, 90, 100, wouldn't you say, hey, uh, God, there's stuff that's not working the way it's supposed to, and I'm not sure how you're going to make that happen. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. He's so tactful. <laughs> he doesn't say, like, this is an old lady here. He said, my wife is well along. Guys, just take a lesson from Zechariah. She's just well along. She's mature. She's experienced. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. He, God is always an I am. I am this and I am that for you. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. It's not bad news. It's not old news. It's good news. And I'm going to speak to you this message. Now, this is good news, but actually, it's hard to believe. It's still hard for me to believe. I wrote this in my notes as I prepared for the sermon. Here we have, in Elizabeth, a lady. We'll see how it goes over tonight. I wrote this down. We have a lady who is past menopause, who will conceive, which will cause men to pause. That was my line. <laughs> Should I use that Sunday? I don't, I don't know. She's past menopause, but it causes men to pause. 
And guess who is this written from? Who writes this account? A guy named Luke. What is Luke's occupation? He's a doctor. If everybody, somebody's amazed, it's Luke. For some of you, there's a word here tonight. You have a sickness, an illness, something you've been praying for God to deliver you from and cure and fix, and he hasn't moved yet. Man's medicine is great, but the great physician is greater. Hold on. Hold on. Keep praying. Keep using your physician, but trust in the great physician. He's not done yet. But Elizabeth is going to be pregnant. And by the way, she's already pregnant with potential. Maybe you kind of nudge somebody next to you and say, you know, I don't look like it, but I'm pregnant with, with potential. You got to put that in there. Some of you young couples just shocked yourself to death right there. I'm pregnant with potential. By the way, so are you. This season, this month, is a season pregnant with potential for us to invite our friends. Pregnant with potential for life change. Pregnant with potential to give hope and help and a home to people. Pregnant with potential to multiply what God is doing here. Oh, he, 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 we're just full of potential. Verse 20. And notice he said, I'm going to speak to you, and now, because you don't believe, something's going to happen. And now you will be silent, the angel says to Zach, and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you do not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Now, this is a problem, because he's a priest, he speaks for a living. It'd be like the angel coming to me and saying, hey, uh, David, you know, you're going to have like five or six other kids here. Uh-uh. Yes, while I'm praying, and because I don't believe it, because you don't believe it, you're not going to be able to speak. It's, could I just say this? It's hard to be a preacher when you can't speak. Unless you're going to be like a sign language preacher or something like that. How are you going to speak? It, it, there is, the, the, you may see it as a punishment. And maybe it is a consequence of unbelief. But I think the best things that happen to you are when we shut up and we listen to God. When he forces us to be quiet, it's the pregnant pause before the answer and the movement of God in your life. One of the greatest things you can do is just stop talking. <laughs> Somebody said, David, that, I'm talking to you now. Yes. Stop talking. This was his livelihood. This was probably what he was known for, his identity. Yet he now cannot talk. But he says these words are going to come true, the angel says, at the appointed time. God is always on time, in time, every time. You may think he's late, he's right on schedule, right on time. Zechariah couldn't speak until Elizabeth gives birth. Doubt took away his voice. Doubt took away his voice. It always does. Some of us can't sing, some of us won't sing. Fully and freely because we're doubting God and his promise. We're just kind of going through the motions. And God will shut you down until you're ready to sing his praises. Meanwhile, verse 21, while people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. You don't know this, but if you read the Old Testament, when you delayed as a priest too long in the temple, it wasn't a good thing. Priests died because they were kind of a little casual in the temple. They're like, what's going on? They actually had to uh, tie ropes to the priest so that if they died in that Holy of Holies, nobody's going in there. They get zapped by God too so they could pull these dudes out if they were detained a long time. That's how it worked. But when he came out, finally, verse 22, he could not speak to them. 
usually when the priest came out, he pronounced a benediction. The Lord be with you. The Lord be gracious unto you. Make his smile, make his face smile upon you. Kind of, he, he's supposed to say that, but he didn't say that. He could not speak. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. And when his time of service was completed, and when he returned home, after this his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. Elizabeth, oh, she's talking. <laughs> Zechariah can't talk. Elizabeth got a lot to say. The Lord has done this. In these days he has shown his favor, his mercy, and taken away my disgrace among the people. And then notice what happens now at his birth, verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy. There's our word, mercy. And they shared her joy. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. That would be the norm. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he's to be called, what was he going to be called? John. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. <laughs> Have you ever picked a name when you're a parent and nobody else in your family had? And your family's like, Rumpelstiltskin, what, 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 what are you talking about? What kind of name is that? Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, Zachary did, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. He confirmed it. And when he said that, immediately, now this is a miracle, immediately his mouth was open, his tongue set free, he began to speak, praising God, and all the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the whole country of Judea, people were talking about the, the chatter is good. When God does a work in your life, friend, people start to talk about it. God is doing a work in some of you. God is doing a work just like we saw with Jason Atkins. And when you tell about it, the chatter is good in the community, around the whole countryside. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Wow. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, it says. And he prophesied. He prophesied. No wonder Zach breaks out in song. All those pent-up thoughts, emotions come for, pouring forth in its tune, a song. And in just a minute, I'm going to let you hear, beginning in verse 68, that hymn or that song. They called it Zachariah's song. Now you think, well, David, that's an odd name to name a song after just one guy. Well, that was his name. It was a famous song back then. And people all around would have known it. And it occurred to me, that's not really weird, because we have a lot of songs today that are written with a person's name. If we were in a small group, which all of us should be, and wait till January, we're going to push you to find a group that gives you hope. But if you were in a small group, what I would do is stop right now, and I'd let you discuss and guess, like a trivia, give me some songs, secular songs, that have the names of people in the title. And I just listed a couple. You ready? Like I think of Michael Jackson, Billy Jean. He also has one, Dirty Diana. That's a whole nother song. I've been singing one by Dolly Parton lately. Jolene, Jolene. I've been singing that. Neil Diamond has one. Sweet Caroline. There you go. 
Oh, my Oak Ridge boys, they have one. Elvira. Oh, I love Elvira. My boy Johnny Cash, he has one, a boy named Sue. Hey There Delilah was written by the Plain White Tees. And one that I don't recommend, but I can't get the tune out of my mind, Stacy's mom, because she got it going on. Anyway, I, I got to get that out of there. But it is Christmas. It is, some of y'all didn't think I knew that song, did you? See, I mean, you're impressed. But since it's Christmas, we got songs like that too. Rudolph, Frosty. I mean, there's a bunch of other Christmas songs, all known by the guy's name. So I know it doesn't rhyme. I know it wasn't put out recently. But I want you to hear Zachariah's song, Red to You. I don't think he's going to sing it, but Joe, read us that song. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us. In the house of his servant David, as he has said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember this holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the most high. You will go to, on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give him his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come down from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. What a Christmas song. What a Christmas tune. Zechariah's song was like chock full of Old Testament imagery, but what his song emphasized was God's mercy, God's deliverance, to heal not only his tongue, but his nation and his soul, which ironically, I believe, is the great desire and theme song for us to sing right now in this season of our country. God, unloose our tongues. God, heal our nation. God, heal my soul. Help thou my unbelief. It is the season to sing about his mercy. In my research this week, I stumbled upon something that I think is rich that you might help you live with and, and repeat to yourself this Christmas Advent season. I was struck by the different names in our song, our story today, and what they mean. Because names were of incredible importance in the Bible. A name in the day when they gave it to someone was not just their identity, it became their destiny. God sometimes changed the names of people to better define who they were, what God was up to, who God was, and what they would become. So whenever God gives or changes a name, it is something special. So let me go back as I close and review the major players that we have covered today and review and revisit the name with you because it makes the song that Zach sang even more richer and better. Zachariah, the guy that we just talked about. Zach, anybody remember what his name meant? God will 
remember is what his name means. God will remember. Anybody here have trouble remembering things? Like maybe some of you have received a Christmas gift. Maybe hypothetically you forgot who gave you that gift and then you re-gifted it back to them <laughs> hypothetically speaking because you forgot. That's a little embarrassing. I've heard. I've heard it's a little embarrassing. Do you know that God is a promise keeper? That he always delivers on his promises? We may not remember, but God always remembers. And maybe that's a word for some of you here who think God has forgotten you. He's given up on you. I had someone a couple of weeks ago after a service come up and share some pretty personal issues that they were struggling with. And they were afraid to kind of share what they were. And they said to me after sharing it, I just have a question. Does God still love me? Mm. I was so glad to say yes, and I do too. And we do too. Zachariah thought God had forgotten him. He must not love me. Friend, God's delays are not God's denials in your life. He has a reason. When you can't see his hand, trust his heart. He knows what he's up to. Zachariah's name means God will remember. Elizabeth's name, you know what her name means? God is reliable. You can count on it. Now, I bet when she had her name and they were trying to conceive, it felt like a bitter, sick joke when someone said, hey, Elizabeth, because every time they called Elizabeth, what they're saying is God is reliable. And it was just another reminder, God is not reliable, but he is. Gabriel, the angel, you know what Gabriel was? God is my hero. John means God, is, John the Baptist, God is gracious. God is merciful. So catch this now. This, catch this. Zechariah, God remembers, is told by Gabriel, God is my hero, that his wife Elizabeth, God is reliable, is getting ready to experience a miracle baby named John. God is gracious. That's all the characters blending together. No wonder Zechariah sings. So let me ask you a question. What song do you need to sing right now to God? What name do you need to claim? For some of you watching, for some of you in this room, you've forgotten that God has not forgotten you. You need to claim God will remember. For some of you, you're in a situation so bad that God has to be the hero in your life. Let him be. You're not the hero of your story. God's the hero of your story. God is reliable. Maybe some of us need to count on that. God is gracious. He's merciful. He will never stop loving me. You can't do anything to make him love you more. You can't do anything to make him love you less. There have been specific moments in my personal professional life when I needed to claim a certain name. Days when I wondered, hey, God, are you listening? Are you watching? I'm like the priest in the temple. Are we on the same team? Because you don't feel like you're listening to me. But the name that I most want you to remember and leave with this week and this month is the name above all names. It is the name of Jesus. Who is he? He is the Savior. The angel Gabriel said to Mary, you will conceive and give birth to a son. You're to call him Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. So if you'd like to talk a little bit more about Jesus, if you need prayer, if you're new, we'd love to have you stick around. Just come up front, introduce yourself to us. Next week, 
We're going to cover another song. And our missionary friend, Beth Gutenberger, will be here to teach on Mary's song. Did you know Mary had a song? Beth is such a gifted teacher. It's going to be so powerful to hear the story of Mary from a woman's perspective next Thursday and next Sunday. So please come back. It's not too early to start thinking about Christmas Eve. Think about the person that you're going to bring. Remember, it's full of potential. And also think about the offering that you will bring for the Life Center Resource Fund. The entire offering on Christmas Eve will be used for our resource fund. Our goal is $30,000. Think now. Pray now. We're going to give it all away to other people. Use this invite card to invite for the series, but also Christmas Eve. I thought it would be helpful today as we close our service to close with a song. Uh, a song of mercy and grace. So Laura's going to come back here. She's going to lead us in a song. I'm just going to invite you to stand if you would. And I'm going to encourage you as you sing this song that is so profoundly true with its words about grace and mercy. Sing this song now with what you have heard through the characters of this Christmas story. Claim the promises of this song for you. I want to pray and Laura will lead us in that song. Father in heaven, we can relate to Zechariah. And we can relate to Elizabeth. God, uh, it's hard to trust you when things aren't going good. And so right now, Father, in this room, for those watching online, there's someone here who's needing to claim right now, right here, the promises that we've covered tonight. So God, as we sing now about your mercy and your grace, may we personalize this in this place of worship, this holy of holies, and because of Jesus Christ, we can enter that holy of holies with boldness because he has paid the price as the ultimate lamb of God that took away the sin of the world. May we sing that this year. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey guys, so glad that you joined us online today. Keep in touch in the future. Again, you can text the word NEW to the number on the screen or PRAY to the number on the screen. And we'd love to pray with you. Have a great week.